are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Wonderful to be feeling my old self again. <coughs> oh, Spock. You look terrible. Yes, Captain. I seem to have caught the Cardassian flu. Oh, no. You really should have gotten that inoculation. That was very illogical of you. Of course, sir. I see that you are feeling better. Fit as a fiddle! Why, the Cardassian flu was nothing compared to my iron will. And the medications that came via Starfleet Post. What's that? Nothing. I'm sure that I will also be feeling better soon. That's the spirit! It's all mind over matter, my Vulcan friend. Sir, that's... You gave me the Cardassian flu. I was going to fly out to Vulcan, but you had me stay and take care of you. And Bones had already left, taking the rest of the vials with him. I calculated no risk for myself on Vulcan, but did not calculate the risk of staying on board and taking care of you. <gasps> Spock! I'm sorry, but it's true. You gave me this illness that I did not want and I did not plan on. And you know how important plans are to me. Mm. It's a hard reality, but this is what has happened. Let's just open the show and we can continue this conversation then. Okay. Greetings, everyone. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, yogini, writer, researcher, and suddenly feeling slightly somber, though so very much healthier. And I am captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I am Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I'm afraid I simply just want to retire to my quarters and go to bed. <laughs> Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Now, back to the Cardassian flu. Spock, I'm, I'm very sorry that I gave this to you. I, I had no idea. Uh, I know, sir. And I know that it wasn't your intention to pass this on to me, just like it wasn't my intention to inherit it. Much like the great Skywalker clan never intended to pass along both the power and the responsibility of the Force. I did not feel like I was strong with the Force when I had the Cardassian flu. Well, no, sir. Obviously not. But that's the thing about legacy. We don't always want it, and it doesn't always feel good to have it. And it's natural to feel angry at those who pass the legacy along to us, especially when we're dealing with the parts that feel the least helpful. Hmm. Well, this, this is a real downer. I, I was feeling very um, energized, um, humming along to Peer Gint. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling like B. Yeah. I feel like a B on a, on a grade scale. Mm. A B is a great place to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yes, clearly I did not intend... To, to pass along this terrible illness to you. Mm -mm. Because why, why would we want to pass anything terrible along to other people? And yet we do it all the time. Mm. Yeah. I, and I think it's interesting you brought up the Skywalkers because we, we tend uh, culturally and fandomly to focus on the positives that were passed along in the Skywalker family. And I think there were some serious negatives passed along in the Skywalker family. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> um, so much so that part of me is like, where, where does one begin? Though, oh no, I know where to begin because I was thinking of this yesterday because Yoda's really been on my mind thanks to, you know, mm -hmm. Baby Yoda. Um, I'm not even going to do spoilers because Baby Yoda memes have already taken over the internet so oh, I, you know yeah i was spoilered for baby yoda long before i i watched 
the Mandalorian. I have to say, I feel really grateful. I was not. I think part of that had to do with the fact that, sir, when it was out, I was very focused on caring for you. So, <laughs> so the irony here is that, like, that really was a gift. It was in, in the sense that it mm. meant that I got to experience Baby Yoda for the first time in the show. And it, it was a great, I was so moved, I started to cry, which, as you know, is a real rarity for me, being a Vulcan at all. Uh, mm, I I feel like when it comes to phantom attachment, you're you're a real human. Mm, Touche. Mm. <laughs> uh, but bringing us all the way back, okay. So I was thinking of like OG Yoda from mm. Empire Strikes Back. That's the middle movie. Yes, that's my the brain best is movie. still yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. It's I have to check because the Cardassian flu is just really. Woof, man. It takes, mm-hmm. as you know, it really mm-hmm. takes you out. It does. <laughs> but no, I was thinking of that scene between Yoda and, and Luke, and it's when, like, Yoda reveals that he actually didn't really like Luke's dad all that much. Right? <laughs> right. Like, he really, he really, like, shows his hand, which is that, like, he kind of thought that, like, Papa Skywalker was not so great. He thought he was mm-hmm. a hothead. He thought he was totally lacking in mindfulness, that he, like, leaned in to his talents without mm-hmm. like working on areas that were not that didn't come as naturally to him mm-hmm. um and it's that scene with his stick where he's like always looking ahead never thinking about what he was doing <laughs> <laughs> i love that i do too <laughs> and, and i mean look at luke he for sure inherited that issue oh yeah absolutely and uh, this is a complete aside but it bothers me so much and i mm-hmm. feel like i have a microphone so i can talk about it which is why in the ever-loving fuck would they have given Luke the Skywalker name? You are trying to hide this child from his murderous father, Mm. and you give him the same name. You know, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i have to be honest i and i'm sure it's partly because i saw i you know i saw the, the films when i was very young mm-hmm. that i i was i very much was at a point where i could just like see those things and just gloss over them mm. no it bothers me so much it's that's a great point and he went with his aunt and uncle like this was not a hard dude to find well, but here's the thing, like, I especially, well, I mean, the prequels are so hashtag problematic, um, just for so many reasons. But I wasn't really clear that those people were, in fact, his aunt and uncle. Oh. You know? Like, he called them uh. that, but, like, mom clearly was an only child with parents who thought it was totally cool to have their 12-year-old become the leader of their planet. <laughs> And then we never see them again. No, no, I don't. Yeah, never. I don't even know if we ever see her parents. <laughs> um, and like Luke was, well, not Luke. Sorry, Anakin. What? Like he was some sort of, I don't know, pseudo Christ-like birth or something. He didn't have any siblings. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I have just always, you know, what's interesting is that that Skywalker thing has always bothered me. But I've been like. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, they're <laughs> flesh and blood relatives. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. It's also possible because it's been a long time since I've seen the prequels that maybe in the in the last prequel, because I does his mom like maybe like get remarried and have some like stepkids or something. His mom dies she, immediately. She, yeah, she, yeah. No. Okay. Then never mind. That, she that dies even... in she dies in childbirth from and I quote a broken heart. <laughs> no, 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 that right. That's Luke's mom. I'm talking about Anakin's mom. Oh, you're talking about Anakin's mom, right? Oh, like he might have step siblings or half yes, siblings or half siblings. So, but like putting all of that aside because I feel like that maybe we're getting in the weeds here a wee bit. <laughs> um, something new and totally different for us here on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> It's like your point stands like, why would you, they went to all this trouble to hide Leia. Mm -hmm. Like they gave her a false name. She didn't seem to know she was adopted, yada, yada, yada. And then Luke has dad's first name and is raised on Tatooine where dad was. 
Like, why wouldn't that have been, like, Dad Darth Vader's, like, first call to go check up <laughs> on the poor folks living in Tatooine? Right. And I know that that he was, that Anakin was told that everybody died. That, right. you know, that mm -hmm. Padme died in childbirth and they lost the twins. But, mm -hmm. like, I, I feel like, you know, you're an all-powerful sort of evil godlike creature you might be like hey you know what i'm just curious could you just kind of scan the galaxy and see if those kids are still alive that'd be great thanks mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah and i mean it kind of begs the question and i mean we're really we're doing a lot of like co-creation of narrative here doing some work for george lucas which frankly george always really demanded of his his viewership um <laughs> But it makes me wonder, like, was perhaps part of it that uh, on a certain level, like Darth Vader, d did part of him not want to find the kids? Mm -mm. Did part of him have a sense that he was hashtag Thanos bad dad? No, I mean, he was Thanos bad dad. He had just massacred a bunch of Padawans. Right, right before he uh, had that final battle. Right, with, which of course makes us all... <laughs> With who? With literal Christ-looking Ewan McGregor. Yeah, that imagery was so confusing. I was so... <laughs> yeah, I, wa I wasn't... Wasn't clear in what George was going for. Maybe he had the flu, you know? Maybe, maybe he wasn't clear either. Um, it also reminds me of... You've seen Battlestar Galactica, right? Uh, the new one, yeah. I mean, The new one, like, yes. Yeah. New, or it's not new anymore. No, but it was it was new once. Um, <laughs> at any yes, rate, please go on. He, he used to do. I think it was a podcast where he would do like recaps or like of the episodes, and I listened to some of them. Our producers listened to all of them, and he would often like drink scotch. You could like hear the little ice cubes clinking in his glass, and like so as the as his chat went on, he would become more and more inebriated. <laughs> and reach a state that is similar probably to what I'm in right now, thanks to this flu. Um, and, and his one episode where he was talking about like the, the finale of Battlestar, which is... Uh, it, has some, it has some highs, some lows. There are problems, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and he was attempting to address one of the problems where one of the characters, Lee Adama, is in a room with a bunch of like birds... I don't remember that. And at this point, at this point, Ron seemed very drunk, um, maybe even a little bit high. Hard to know. But he was just <laughs> like, the birds, they were there and they were symbolic and they moved. And it was like, it was like Kara, but not. And there they were. Um, and I feel like that must, that's how I imagined George Lucas when he was writing all three <laughs> of the prequels. <laughs> We're in pod racers, but they're not just pod racers. They mean something. They're symbolic. <laughs> they're symbolic. They're beautiful. Symbolic. That's the word. <laughs> Emblematic. Emblematic. There it is. There we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're all in recovery here today, folks. <laughs> oh my god. Um, this is great. This is actually very cathartic. Um, <laughs> uh, and I. Uh, I'm going to bring us to why I didn't like the prequels. And mm -hmm. it is for some of the reasons that the general public didn't like the prequels, but um, also from a more psychological perspective, why I didn't like the prequels um, mm -hmm. was I felt like we dwelt too long in Anakin's young life when everything was happy and super. Right. And the thing is, his life was never happy and super. No. And why are we pretending that it was? Right. Because the the story of the Skywalkers, from a psychological perspective, is the story of transgenerational trauma. Mm, that's... And, yeah. Mm, that, and for that's... our listeners at home who are new to transgenerational trauma, Spock, do you feel like you have the lung capacity to give a quick and dirty on transgenerational or intergenerational trauma? Um, first off, I want to say that we talk about this a lot in a chapter that the captain and I wrote in the uh, pop culture psychology Black Panther book. So 
I mean, yes, are we pimping our our work here? Yeah, we are, full mm-hmm. transparency. But genuinely, I think it does a good job of talking about the nuances of transgenerational trauma in without being dull and mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit of fun, maybe as much fun as one can have when talking about the legacy of pain and suffering. Um, but to give kind of a a quick definition of transgenerational trauma right now, what I would say is it is the idea that um, when a person, in this case, we're going to do Papa Anakin Skywalker, he experienced a profound amount of pain and loss and suffering in his life as a slave um, who was an outcast, didn't have a father, lost his one father figure in a very brutal way, lost his mother also in a very brutal way at a young age. And that trauma impacted him. And we know mm-hmm. this because we have like, scientific research that backs up the idea that trauma impacts us both um, from a psychological perspective and also from a physical perspective. So um, in terms of genetics, it would change some of his genes that he would then pass on to his own biological children. So not only do Luke and Leia then inherit um, some of the genetic components of trauma, they would also be impacted by the ways that their father would treat them as they were growing up, right? So this is that, Mm -hmm. that it's both nature and nurture. Um, And we know that nature can really impact the way that genes express themselves, Mm -hmm. um, which is why even if you are adopted, which is true for both Luke and Leia, things that happen to your adoptive parents impact you because it impacts how your genes express themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was beautiful and so succinct. (laughs) <laughs> oh and i should add that part of what makes transgenerational trauma very challenging is that while papa anakin skywalker has understands why he suffers what he suffers luke and leia have a very limited understanding of that not just because they were orphaned but also because they're neither their father nor their mother who of course dies when they are quite young though what age is arguable because hashtag george lucas writing problems Um, that they would like, they would be impacted by their parents' behavior and they would be impacted by the ways their genes were expressing themselves, but they wouldn't necessarily understand why. Like if dad Mm -hmm. isn't talking about the fact that he was a slave from the ages of like zero to roughly 10 Mm -hmm. and that this impacted him, Luke and Leia aren't going to, they're not going to have words to understand why they struggle with what they struggle with. They'll just kind of know that they're struggling and then have the frustration and confusion of not really understanding why. Mm-hmm. Right. And that and that's coming from the perspective of like, what if Anakin turned out to be a totally okay dude and helped <laughs> raise those children, right? Yes. They mm-hmm. they would still feel like something was wrong in the family because yes. something is wrong in the family. And what happens to young folks who who experience transgenerational trauma and have no words for it, they assume it's something wrong with themselves. Because that's that's what children do. Spoilers. Um, they have a very well. They have a very small view of the world, basically themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, it's 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 where narcissism is. I mean, narcissism is a stage of like early childhood development, right? Mm-hmm. And so, from that perspective, it makes sense that that they, a young child, very kind of like locked into their own perspective. They're thinking, mm-hmm. well, it it must be me because. Everything is about me. Right. Literally everything is about me. Um, and so when you try and get children to think outside themselves, they literally can't because mm-hmm. that's, that's what their brain is doing. Um, right. but, but when we try and keep these family secrets, we're actually doing more of a disservice than we are being kind. And that's not to say that we, we tell children all of the horrible, brutal realities of the world. But things that are age appropriate, you know, right. like, hey, kids, again, we're we're in an alternate universe where Anakin turned out pretty OK. Right. And he raised his kids. Mm-hmm. He might sit them down and be like, you know what? Dad gets sad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, dad, dad's life was really hard when he was your age. And sometimes dad gets really sad. And that's not your fault. That's something dad went through mm-hmm. so that there's a language for it. So that when kids see dad being sad, they don't think, oh, no, what did I do to make dad sad? Right. 
they know, okay, dad gets sad sometimes. And that's because of something that happened to dad. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you could also extend the conversation to be like, and if you get sad sometimes too, that's okay. You maybe right. get that from, from dad's sadness. So oh, you I can, love that because, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so you, can, you can tell me, kids, when you feel the sadness, you can tell me that you're feeling the sadness too. And, and we can share it and we can be together in it. And this oh. doesn't need to be a secret. This, this can be something that, that we share and make us stronger. Right. And, then, and pain and vulnerability can then become a way that we strengthen and expand our connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, when that doesn't happen, again, in this alternate <laughs> universe, if uh, Papa Anakin Skywalker does not name his sadness, does not name those times when he is triggered and acts in a way that just doesn't fit with a given situation, um, not only then do, like, baby Luke and Leia walk around being like, oh, I don't know, is it me? What did I do? What did I do to make Dad sad? Mm-hmm. If depending on how the secret is kept, right, like if dad mm -hmm. is just saying, no, I'm not sad and denying it, then what can happen over time is Luke and Leia may develop anxiety mm -hmm. and they develop the anxiety because what they are seeing in their world does not match what their adult core caregivers are, givers are telling them. Mm -hmm. And as children, we rely on the adult core caregivers to help us fact check and reality check. So if dad is getting sad all the time and acting in ways that do not match the situation, right? Like Luke accidentally, like, I don't know, knocks his lightsaber down from where it's hung on the wall and like dad flips out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then dad denies that he flips out and says that it's totally normal. Baby Luke is going to walk away and be like, oh my God, not only did I th do I think I did something, but now I'm not even sure if I did something because dad said it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then what happens over time is Luke starts to doubt himself and starts to distrust his own abilities to perceive and understand the world around him mm -hmm. yeah so it it's really powerful i what i didn't think we were going to talk so much about like kid kids i didn't either I think, <laughs> but i think it makes sense to talk about kid kids in this yeah. instance um and we tend in our culture not to give voice to what it is that has children feeling anxious we right. want it to be situational. We want it to be something that's going on in school or, you know, it's just this is how this is what's happening at their age or whatever. And that's not to say those things don't happen. But I, I feel like we do not spend nearly enough time looking at, like, is this trauma? Right. You know, a, a, a traumatic thing does not need to have happened to a child for a child to experience trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what transgenerational trauma is. Yes. It's, kind of it's yeah, it's a gift they were given that they did not ask for. It is how I gave mm -hmm. you the Cardassian flu. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't mean to pass it on. It wasn't no, my intention. It wasn't your intention. And also it wasn't your choice. You right. didn't choose the Cardassian flu any more than Anakin Skywalker was like, you know what? I want to be a slave. That'll be pretty cool. <laughs> I won't have a dad, I'll lose my mom at a young age, and then I'll lose her again when she finally dies. I'll have this nice father figure with beautiful flowing locks, and then he'll die tragically at the hands of, like, a tattooed demon-looking guy. <laughs> and then my new father figure, who's kind of my brother, but kind of not, then we'll have this, like, weird role confusion, so I'm going to grow up also with role confusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't choose that. No, of course he didn't choose that. If you had asked him what he wanted out of life, that's not what he would have said. No. Or, or if we were like, you know what? Your children are going to live. What, how would you like them to carry on your legacy? Be like, well, I would like them to feel traumatized. Like, I feel like even Darth Vader isn't going to say that. He's going to be like, no, bring him over here to the dark side. I want him to hang out with me. Right, because he thought that he genuinely thought that that would help them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, let's be allies. Dark side's awesome. Dark side's where the power is. Dark side's where we don't have to feel our feelings. Right. You can take all that trauma and just send it away. You can just force choke people. Having a problem? Force choke someone. Force choke some guy in a uniform that looks very much like a Nazi uniform. You'll feel better. 
Um, obviously that's a joke, folks. I am not encouraging you to go out and, and, and mind choke someone in a Nazi SQ before. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't physically harm anyone. Right. Uh, we... But I do want to go back before we transition. I do want to go back and, yeah. and add something to talking about children and transgenerational trauma. Because yeah. you were making an interesting point about how like parents, any and all adult core caregivers, they when they see a child struggling... And exhibiting mm-hmm. any type, and really any type of struggle, anxiety mm-hmm. would be included under this, but it could be lots of different kinds. The yeah. immediate reaction is all is often we want th- we want this to stop, right? We want mm-hmm. it to stop, and we want it to go away. And if and if the core give, caregiver immediately moves from that place, oftentimes what can happen is they're conveying the message that you're okay, you're fine, mm-hmm. which is also confusing because the child is not fine. No, the child is not fine. And they're not okay. And really, if it's transgenerational trauma pieces, they're grappling with things that they are not able to understand or to hold and that feels so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And what they really need is someone to come in and help name the feelings that they're feeling and <clears throat> provide reassurance, which is that, yes, you are feeling this way right now. Yes, it is hard. And it will not be hot, that hard forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're talking about the the core caregiver being a source of comfort as we move through the feeling. Yes. Rather than let us push the feeling away and pretend that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, if, listeners, if you have ever had a big feeling, which I'm sure that you have because you are humans, mm-hmm. um mostly, I guess. I don't I don't know who's listening. Uh Right, we don't want to judge. <laughs> I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge the Klingons in the crowd. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> the Romulans, you know. Yep, different cultural experiences. Um, that as adults, when we have big experiences, it is equally not helpful when our friends and family say, "You're fine," mm-hmm. and like, "I'm having a really hard time." No, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, actually, I'm both. Actually, I'm both. I'm having a hard time, and I know that I am safe and will be fine. Which is a very different message. Very different. It, it's, it's minimizing to say, oh, you're fine. <clears throat> and I, we all do it, so if, if you suddenly felt a pang of shame, I invite you to welcome some compassion into that to that part um and maybe the next time somebody's having a big emotional experience just validate that they're having it Mm -hmm. you know like yeah that really sucks right now oh that sucks so hard right now Mm -hmm. you know and you're gonna move through it and i'm here i'm gonna i'm gonna move through it with you while maintaining your own personal boundary of I'm with this person who I care about and I'm supporting them, but I cannot take this feeling away from you. Yes. Which gets back to something that you said to me recently that I was like, wow, look at this wisdom. Um, <laughs> and so let's see if I can move through my Cardassian fluidal brain and recall <laughs> this beautiful gemstone, which was... <laughs> That when we do, when we do for someone what they can do for themselves, we are taking away their dignity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is is a hard thing to hear. Mm-hmm. And listeners, if you just had a big reaction to it, that makes sense, and invite you just to kind of sit with it. Um, because the, what the message is saying is it. It's not okay for us to swoop in and do things for people that they can do for themselves if we have not been asked to do so. Because the implicit message is, I know you can't, so here I will. Mm -hmm. And we don't want people to take in the message they can't. No. No. But it's even, I think it's, it's, it's uniquely hard for parents. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of walk this balancing act between, um, like validating and naming feelings and supporting while not like overstepping and attempting to like do what the child needs to figure out how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because especially with kids, like kids start out and they're so helpless. They need to do everything for them. Yes. And as an, as an, I think it's very hard to move through that, like, like move through those stages and be like, okay, this is where I give this. And this is where I pull back. This is where I give this and I pull back because it's shifting all the time. Sometimes it hits milestones that we have been able to kind of identify via research. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Right. And so it, Mm -hmm. it is genuinely challenging as a parent to figure out how to do this balancing act. And it's not about getting it right all the time. No, no. It's about doing your best and trying. And when you've made a mistake, when you feel like, oh, I did for my child what they can actually do for themselves, or I minimize my child's feelings, that if, the, if it's age appropriate for them, that you go back and you have that kind of reparative conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the science does show us that that reparative conversation is more powerful than the thing that happened. Yes. Um, because I have yes. had parents come to me and they're like, well, I've already done all those things. So the damage is done. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you went back and talked about it afterwards. And that you not only have you repaired the thing that happened, but you have instilled in your child this knowledge that it's OK to mess up. Right. And that we we all get to mess up. We all get to talk about our feelings and that mom and dad are humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which they are right mm-hmm. well yeah. and, and I, now no go ahead no i was just gonna say and i know it's really <coughs> slow i know it's really slow sometimes it can be hard to let kids do things for themselves yes it takes like, a lot of patience oh it's just like i could just tie those shoes mm-hmm. i could just tie those shoes yeah. wow this is Yep, that's a bunny ear. That's another bunny ear. Wow. I could I could have tied 57 shoes by now. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> this is so hard. I'm having such a hard time. And the mm-hmm. thing is, that is so true of any time we see someone we love suffering. Yeah. It's so hard to see them suffering, but yeah. we, if we save them from the suffering, they haven't learned anything. And I say this to my clients so often that it's probably annoying that when they're going through something really hard and terrible, I will say something to the effect of, this is so hard. This is so bad. I can see how much you're suffering. And even if I could take it away, I wouldn't. Because feeling it is how you're going to get through it and how you're going to grow. And so this awfulness you're experiencing is an important part of the process. And that's not a fun message. No, it's a very Yoda message, though, Um, (laughs) because now we're going to return to, you know, the universe that we have, not the universe (laughs) that we imagined, which is that you have have Luke and Leia, and we don't know much about Leia's adoptive parents. We know a little bit more, or maybe like I should I should say quite a bit more about Luke. But as you were talking about like watching the child struggle mm-hmm. and being able to be with yourself and your own frustration in that without giving it to the child, I mean mm-hmm. Yoda does that beautifully. And obviously oh, yeah. Yoda is like harsher, yes, but Luke is not a child at that point. He's I don't know, canon he's what, in his late teens, early twenties, something like that. Um yeah, teen teenish, young teen-ish. adult he's a 20 teen Um, (laughs) and yoda is really really good at pushing luke to tie to make two bunny ears and tie his shoes Mm -hmm. and i am surprisingly gonna gonna offer a critique of obi-wan for a little bit here because and i'm adult obi-wan adult yes adult obi-wan not like jesus beard you know, mcgregor <laughs> obi-wan um i'm talking al guinness the og obi-wan <laughs> um i think there are moments where he he comes a little like he he has a different approach than yoda and i do want to honor that mm-hmm. i mean his his approach is far more i think gentle and compassionate and empathetic mm-hmm. um i because think that he he mm-hmm. b- i because i would imagine yoda was his teacher and he's one of those folks that's like, I'm never going to be hard on my kids the way my dad was. Right. 
or to put it in his, in, like, very much in his vernacular, I am not going to be as hard on my Padawans as Yoda was on me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he clearly has guilt about how things went down with Anakin. So, like, all those things together paired with, like, what, I mean, what he took from his experience with Yoda. Part of it was that, like, he, I want to lead from a place of more compassion. And I would say, for the most part, he is successful in that. And clearly Luke gains a lot from that experience. However, Obi-Wan does something that is is not great and very much feels like trying to protect Luke from his transgenerational trauma, which is he doesn't mm-hmm. tell Luke the truth. Uh, secret keeping. There's a yes. saying in the drug counseling world, and it's secrets keep us sick. And, you know, I, I very much come from a philosophy of take what works and leave the rest. And I feel like mm-hmm. secrets keep us sick is very much one of those that works. Right. Yeah, I have this same complaint with one Albus Dumbledore. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I think we've actually talked about that a little bit on the pod here. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe not in this context. Yeah. So, right, we are keeping secrets. We are trying to save the next generation from the pain of previous generations. Mm-hmm. Right. And what transgenerational trauma tells us, and it's a hard message, transgenerational mm-hmm. trauma tells us that's not possible. Right. It says the next generation will feel the pain. It will be a different, and it'll be a different experience for them mm-hmm. um, because they were not the slave. Their father was the slave. But they, they, they feel the pain nonetheless. And mm-hmm. you do them a disservice by not naming it. Because when you don't name it, then you're not helping to equip Luke and Leia with the skills that they need to, man- to not just manage that pain, but move through that pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would, I would speculate, I mean, and maybe this is shown in other parts of canon. I, I haven't done mm-hmm. much of the reading into, into Star Wars canon. Mm-hmm. Um, about you know what Leia's early life looked like with her adoptive parents, but right. just from knowing that uh, Papa Organa was pl- played by Jimmy Smiths, I'm gonna guess that they were kind, compassionate parents, uh, and that makes a huge difference. So you know, Luke dealing with his transgenerational trauma, uh, has Owen and Baru being like get over yourself and you know fix these droids and you know <laughs> just like deal with your shit luke and my guess is princess leia had more nurturing which may have helped to mitigate some of the symptoms of her transgenerational trauma not right. to say they weren't there because this is a gift that she received but the way it manifests in her, I mean, it, it looks different person to person anyway, but based on this difference of nature, mm-hmm. would probably have a, a very big difference because she she seems to have all of the all the key signs of post-traumatic growth. Yeah. Uh, a story for another ep. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but like, just like very quickly, like post-traumatic growth, the key signs for it that helps you it helps you rather than falling into post-traumatic stress disorder, but growing from your trauma and becoming, mm-hmm. becoming more, right? It's that kind mm-hmm. it's the idea of um, sort of like transcendent transformation, T squared, um, is that you have, mm-hmm. you have a story, you have a naming, like lexicon that you can use to, to understand your pain and your trauma that you've, your transgenerational trauma. You have mm-hmm. community support. Um, that you that you trust that you feel like you can rely on to like varying degrees. Um, and oh, I'm blanking on what's the other one. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I just count on you to know these things. That's that's totally fair. It's usually my job. Um, <laughs> lists. That's your job. <laughs> it's true. Very good at lists. Um, so it's it's having that naming narrative. It's having community. Um, it's having a sense of purpose. Yes, purpose. And also 
enough independence that, again, you're not in danger of someone coming in and trying to do for you and take away your dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say with Leia, and like Leia brings up one of my, probably like my oldest beef with George Lucas. Um, oh, please. Which is that he, to me, I feel like a cornerstone of, of understanding Leia is that she knew her mother. Mm, sure. Right? That it seems like she knew her mother and that mom died when she was around like three to five. And I think it's so important for her that she has that memory of her mom because she has memories of mom being really, really sad and of mom really, really missing dad. And you see the ways that that shows up with for Leia in her own romantic relationship, right? In the way that she, while she loves like Han Solo very much, part of the attraction is that he is sort of attainable, but also sort of not attainable. Because part of what it seems like she inherited from her mom was fear of romantic intimacy and fear mm -hmm. of trust. Well, that, that would make sense. And are you talking about Padme or are you talking about her adopted mother? I'm talking about Padme because in like in the OG movies, like Leia talks mm -hmm. about her knowing her mother, and very much the implication is that she's talking about her. her she's talking about bio mom. Because mm. right then, yeah. Lucas because then, then Luke is so like he's so enthralled in what she's saying because he doesn't he didn't know her he didn't have a chance to meet her. I recall none of this. Oh, it's there, man. Don't worry. I'll. We'll watch it next time you're here or I'm where you are. Yeah. No, it's all there. As a child, it really stood out to me. So then in the third prequel, when he just like kills her off and then people tried to retcon it and be like, well, but Leia used the force to have experiences with her mother. And I was like, no, no, that's wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's my, it's my version of Han shot first. Okay. And I will die on this hill forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, cause that's just canon. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so I'm going to bring us back to what we named this episode. Yes. Which is Coping with Legacy, colon, How to Live Down Expectations. Sure. So I'd like to well, bring us over to the side of living down expectations. Well, I think the elevator pitch would be everything Kylo Ren did, don't do. <laughs> Well, right, because we just, we stopped at this generation, but now we can go one generation mm -hmm. more. One right, we got generation three. more. Uh, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and see how that trauma passed from Anakin down to his kids, down to, down to Ben. Yeah. Down to Ben Solo. Ooh. He was riding solo. Yes, he was. <laughs> well, and talk about familial expectation. So there, when we're talking about legacy here, mm -hmm. we, we are handed these things. We're handed this trauma. We're also handed these sometimes wonderful things like this force power, mm -hmm. which, you know, on, on the face of it, like, how cool is that? Right. But the expectation is, okay, you are going to be a bomb-ass Jedi like your, your uncle. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be as powerful as your grandpa, but, like, don't go dark side. Yeah. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to right all the wrongs, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are, the new, you are the new hope. Uh, oh. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I mean... And this is where that, while having a sense of purpose can really help someone in terms of trying to move towards post-traumatic growth, it can cripple someone if they feel like they have no choice and no agency. Mm -hmm. And if they have the experience that parents or parental figures, looking at you, Luke Skywalker, are transferring their own struggle or, um, I don't know their own like inability to achieve a certain type of purpose that they were hoping to be able to achieve. If they transfer that on to the young human, mm -hmm. it can be utterly crippling because it's not really theirs to hold. It wasn't like all the stuff that was put on Ben. It wasn't really his to hold. 
it was his, it was Luke's to hold. Some of it was Leia's, some of it was grandpa's, some of it was grandma's. I mean, Han Solo himself, we don't know much about his parents, but woof. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot there that he was passing on to young Ben. And that, mm-hmm. I think, gets us to the, the coping piece, which is part of the work of moving through transgenerational trauma is deciding what are the, like, laying all these different shittily wrapped gifts out on a metaphorical table in our minds, mm-hmm. understanding where each one came from. Mm-hmm. So breaking apart the family secrets and often it gets important to have, you know, a, like a, a Jedi master or a therapist to kind of help you do this work. Right. Cause it mm-hmm. can be, can be painful. So laying them all out, understanding what came from which family member, being mm-hmm. able to label the emotions, being able to differentiate. So tell the difference between your reaction to the trauma and like say grandpa's reaction to the trauma. Mm-hmm. And then you get to decide what do I want to pass back? Yeah. Which of these are mine? Mm -hmm. These were all given to me. I saw a great meme not all that long ago. Or no, it was maybe it was somebody's tweet or Facebook post, whatever. The Mm -hmm. gist was um, a therapist is walking around their patient's mind and is like, why (laughs) did you keep all of this? And the patient says, well, my parents gave it to me. It seemed rude to throw it away. Yep. Yeah, and and I just I laughed so hard at that because that is so real. But you 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 probably don't get to throw them away, but you do no. get to pass them back. Mm-hmm. You do get to say, "I see that you gifted me this uh, shame," but I've done a lot of introspection and realized that this shame is not mine, and it doesn't resonate with me. So I'm going to go ahead and emotionally hand it back to your generation who handed it to me. Mm-hmm. And and it's just got to live with you guys. Right. Another one would be, I see you handed me the tool of role confusion. Mm. And blurred boundaries. Mm-hmm. I would like to pass this one back. And mm-hmm. I would like to select a different tool, which are compassionate boundaries. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, there may be things that you want to keep, right? Like mm-hmm. thinking about Luke and Leia. Um, both of their parents were incredibly independent. They were very mm-hmm. brave. They were each in their own way, especially when they, in their younger years, very idealistic in the sense that they wanted, they really wanted to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. The galaxy. The galaxy. Yes. The whole galaxy. <laughs> um, you know, small, small to medium goals. Um, but both, and both Luke and Leia, I mean, it, it seems like based on what we know about them, that those gifts resonate with them. Mm-hmm. And those are gifts that they can keep. And here's the thing. You can keep gifts from someone that is a family member that you either don't get along with or aren't able to get along with. Um, and that doesn't mean that, like, say, just because, for example, Leia never really had a chance to repair with her dad. And maybe even if she had, she might not have been down with that idea. So just because she continues to have a challenging relationship with the memory of her father and has a lot of anger and hate towards him for destroying her entire planet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, she <laughs> can still keep the positive gifts that resonate with her while acknowledging, like, Dad, you're kind of the worst, man. <laughs> and this can be so hard for people, especially early in their work um Mm -hmm. their their self-work um because it it's so much easier for somebody to be all or nothing yeah and i'm gonna circle us all the way back to what i was talking (gasps) about at the very beginning yay full circle full circle the reason that i don't like the prequels in addition to all the other reasons not to like them is i didn't need three movies showing me how great anakin was to balance out how evil he became. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's, I think George Lucas was like, well, we, we need to show how he was good. So, 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 so good. Or, or people just can't grasp the idea of light and shadow. Right. And 
And I don't think people needed that. I certainly didn't. So Star Wars Rebels does a really good job of looking at the nuances of both kind of the the light side of the force and the dark side of the force and exploring the ways that within that dichotomy, there's lots of shades of gray. And mm-hmm. I mean, I look at the prequels and I think, wouldn't that have been interesting to show the ways that that was Anakin's experience, right? Like for like Yoda, Yoda didn't want him to join. Yoda was like, no, mm-hmm. you're too fucked up. Like basically he looked at a 10 year old kid <laughs> yeah. and said, you're, you're beyond help. Mm-hmm. Go home where yeah. you were abused and violated every day of your life. You're not good enough. Oh, God, Yoda. Right? I That's mean, dark. And it's dark. And, and I would have so appreciated if the movies had explored that darkness in Yoda and explored the ways that that really had a negative impact on Anakin as he grew, being living in a place where he felt that many of the folks there didn't think he deserved to be there, didn't think he was good enough. I mean, it's just another way of looking at the way, like, classism affects us. That, mm-hmm. I mean, man, George, do that. Do that. Yeah, would have been a much better <laughs> film. And I'm going to take back what I said about, um, or I want to clarify what I said about Darth Vader being evil, quote-unquote evil, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like that term is thrown around so much for our bad guys. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I challenge the idea of evil, right? right? We we are the sum total of our experiences and the experiences of all those who came before us, as well as our circumstances. And mm-hmm. based on what we know about Anakin Skywalker, this is the way it was going to go. Right. He, he, he is a person who has never had any power. He has always been powerless. He has always mm-hmm. been a- abused, neglected, and as you said, rejected. Of course, he's going to go with the people who say that he is great, wonderful, and powerful. Yeah. And he's going to go to the place where he feels great, wonderful, and powerful. Mm-hmm. Is that evil or is that coping? And Right, and is it tragic? Mm-hmm. yes because ultimately i mean i think that's why that's i think that's part of why we come back to star wars because that it offers us that very compelling narrative of of tragedy and understanding that human beings even at their worst are still human beings mm-hmm. yes and i i didn't need him to get his mask taken off to to know that you know no frankly i was very confused when his mask came off because it wasn't james earl jones <laughs> Very I was upsetting. like, who is this weird, bald, white, scaly dude? Where did, <laughs> where did James Earl Jones go? And also the racial ramifications of saying that now that he's like a better dude, he's not James Earl Jones anymore. Oh, God. That is so upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, mm-hmm. we love you. And part of love is critical analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so say the Vulcans. <laughs> yes. Uh, th- this is such a good conversation. I, f- I feel like we could continue talking about mm-hmm. the Skywalkers for a long, long time. But I'm also aware that you are very tired and you want to return to your quarters. Yes, I think it is time for me to um, return, lie down, and take some anti inflammatories. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Today, folks, we talked about transgenerational trauma. And frankly, that was really where we focused. We did Mm -hmm. some work per usual on family systems. We talked Mm -hmm. about childhood development. And we really attempted to give voice to the challenging parts of um, the parent-child or the child-core-caregiver dynamic. And this is, as an aside, maybe some of you are like, Larissa, why do you keep talking about core caregivers and don't call them parents? Because Families look a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And the Skywalkers are a great example of how like, supportive, caregiving adults can come in and out of our development and our life and have a huge impact. Parents, yes, of course, are important. And also, I think we kind of need to sort of broaden our definition of who can be a parent, which is why I use the term court caregiver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we should just call them CCG. Sounds like now we're going to, it's like a rap name. <laughs> You're down with CCG? Yeah, you know me. 
God, maybe that'll I- be something we'll do when we get, um, uh, God, I'm blanking on the word. What is it? Signed? No, sign. Well, signed, but I was thinking of, like, <laughs> we've talked about, it starts with a P. Mm, parachute. Nope, that's not it. Patreon. There we go. Oh, we get Patreon? <laughs> we could offer that to our Patreon folks that we would do a whole rap album. Oh, uh, no one would support that. No, but they, probably not. They, but they might support, like, seeing me rap sometimes. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, I am 100% sure that I've rapped something else to Down With OPP, and I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was, but I could see all the things that I could rhyme right. with that. Uh. <laughs> um, fandoms, really, we stuck with Star Wars. I don't we know were if we very mentioned... Tr- yeah. We're very true to Star Wars today. We were. Props to us. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like your partner will, will appreciate that, because I know sometimes <laughs> we, we bebop around a, a bit excessively. It's, it's a little much sometimes. It's a little much. Um, before we totally wrap, sir, what are, what, what are things that you would offer to folks to take with them? I would invite them um, to explore this idea of laying out all of the shittily wrapped gifts um, and and looking in each package and and deciding, discerning whether or not that's a thing you want to keep or not. And, you know, we, we don't always know what are the shittily wrapped gifts. Mm-hmm. And so this, is, this might be an opportunity just to notice... In your day-to-day life, when a feeling comes up, asking yourself, is this mine? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, mm, this might be a shittily wrapped gift. Let me, let me put that in the hopper to think about later. Um, especially those things that tend to come up in our lives over and over again, those patterns. Mm-hmm. If you find that you tend to be attracted to the same sort of person who... It is ultimately harmful if you notice that you know friendships ultimately um turn sour for some reason like these are the kinds of patterns to pay attention to and ask yourself is there something here that feels familiar because it might have been a shittily wrapped gift from my family right and that doesn't mean i have to keep it but what great information I now have. And right. that, that's what makes it a gift. Otherwise, it's just shit. Well, right. And the other thing that makes it a gift, and actually it's our producer who pointed this out to me, I think it was last week, that you don't typically choose the gift you're going to be given. It, <gasps> is, it is given to you. Yep. Yep. And, and-, then, and then you get to decide... What to do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking back to my my father-in-law, who who has also passed away a few years ago. Um, mm. And something that he used to say was, "I don't give you the gifts you want. I give you the gifts I want to give you." Oh boy! Yep. And he was. I mean, he was talking about literal like Christmas time gifts. No, no, uh, but it, he also could have just been talking about transgenerational trauma. <laughs> And really, just the experience often of parenting in general. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give you what you want. I give you what I want to give you. Yep. Uh, okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a running gag in the family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But it, it's, it speaks so much to this idea. And uh, I love that he could give voice to it. Because I think <laughs> lots of people do that and just don't give voice to it. Right. and then it gets confusing and really too like the other piece that i would offer folks to take away is that just starting to name things not from a Mm. place of blame or shame but just acknowledging that they're there sometimes just acknowledging what's there can really rapidly decrease anxiety Mm. um and it's and like it's hard when it's something that you don't want to acknowledge it's there like it may seem like a small thing but i very much did not want to acknowledge that i had the cardassian flu Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to believe that my herbal supplements and my hours of rest in between caring for the captain would be enough to prevent me from, from falling ill. And I caused myself a great deal of distress attempting to avoid what was actually happening. And once I was able to name what was happening, suddenly a lot of that distress lifted. 
Mm-hmm. And then I felt sad because I was like, oh, I don't want to have this. <laughs> um, but again, beginning to move through that helped me then get to the other side where I could get myself the help I needed, by which I mean a anti-inflammatory regimen and rest. <laughs> I thank you for that very concrete example. Because, <laughs> because well, because that, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Except it, we are often talking about more ephemeral things. Mm-hmm. But they are just as important as our own well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Are we, are uh, we good? I think we're should good. We close out? I think okay. we should close out. Great. All right. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicap Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. May you never contract the Cardassian flu. Join us for our next ep on A Christmas Carol, an IFS seance. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live live long and and prosper. prosper.